Joe Biden is in trouble and he knows it. The writing has been on the wall for a while. The record inflation, the dismal growth, the open border, the drugs, the crime. We all can sense that the country is in free fall. But now we know it for sure because Joe Biden has done what Democrats always do when things look bleakest. He's pulled out James Taylor to play a random ditty for reporters. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to At Joe Biden's press conference on the preposterously titled Inflation Reduction Act, which does not reduce inflation, it actually increases inflation, the president opened the questions with the same aging hippie that his party trotted out back in 2015 after the Obama administration had caused an international scandal by offending the French. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you got to do is call, and I will be there, yes, I'll be there, you got a friend. Now ain't it great to know you've got a friend When people can be so cold They'll hurt you, yes, and desert you They'll take your soul if you let them But don't you let them Why do they keep doing this? Why James Taylor? I, it's so weird. I actually like James Taylor, but it's so weird. And no boomer folk singer, no matter how talented, can paper over a national or international political crisis. In many ways, this is the perfect metaphor for the entire Democrat party. The libs just never got over the 60s. They never got over the 60s. Back in the 60s, the libs thought they were on the brink of utopia. The cultural revolution was going to usher in the sunny days of the age of Aquarius. And it just didn't happen. Their schemes all failed. The 60s did not usher in utopia. The 60s just gave us the 70s. Crime, drugs, family breakdown an energy crisis, a stagnant economy, and runaway inflation. Sound familiar? But the libs stuck to their guns, and now they are proving a maxim of that OG pinko himself, Karl Marx. History repeats itself. First is tragedy, now is farce. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Margaret Butler, who says, how can the border be secure and broken at the same time? Kamala Harris makes no sense. Yes, this is what they do. They say the border is very secure and it's totally broken and we need to fix it. And, And they can do that because what they're saying is the border is secure for the purposes of us doing our job. But the border is in crisis for the purposes of us getting Republicans to give us more of what we want. It's, it's actually the same logic that John Roberts used when he heard the Obamacare case. 
The Obama, Obamacare posed a difficulty for the libs at the Supreme Court because if the Obama, if Obamacare presented a penalty for not buying the insurance, then it was unconstitutional. But if the Obamacare, if Obamacare was just a tax, then the court didn't have the right to hear the case yet because the tax hadn't gone into effect. Because the way Obamacare was built was that you got all the goodies, the government spent the money 10 years before the tax went into effect so that there wasn't too much political pressure to kill the bill. So all of that is as background. The Supreme Court was between a rock and a hard place. What did they do? They said, okay, the Obamacare is a penalty for the purposes of hearing the case, but it's a tax for the purposes of deciding the case. And that's, that's what the libs do too. They just move those goalposts every which way, whichever way is convenient to them at the moment. Speaking of uh, goalposts, speaking of big uh, edifices that can uh, catch lots of things like footballs and the like, uh, did you know that your internet service provider is catching all the data you send through it? That's why you need to check out ExpressVPN. Right now, head on over to expressvpn.com slash Knowles. Going online without ExpressVPN is like changing while leaving your window wide open. You might not have anything to hide, but why give random creeps a chance to invade your privacy? When you go online without a VPN, ISPs, internet service providers, can see every single website that you visit. They can legally sell this information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. That is why I always use ExpressVPN. When you use ExpressVPN, ISPs cannot see that online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data are also encrypted for maximum protection. Works on phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. It's super easy to use. I'm pretty much a Luddite. I love ExpressVPN. You just click the button, boom, you're done. It's really, really easy. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash Knowles today. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Knowles. You can get an extra three months for free. Expressvpn.com slash Knowles. What a sad press conference to try to defend this stupid bill that, that obviously isn't working. And it wasn't just James Taylor that made it ridiculous. It actually only occurs to me now, what is James Taylor's nickname? James Taylor's nickname, one of his most famous songs, Sweet Baby James. Good night, you moonlight ladies, rockabye Sweet Baby James. Is he telling us something? Have the libs been wrong this whole time? Is James Taylor a secret conservative? Is he a Matt Walsh fan? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it wasn't the most ridiculous part of the press conference. The most ridiculous and hilarious part of the press conference is when Joe Biden was uh, celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act as the stock market tumbled. This couldn't have happened without every single one of you. And that's it's, the literal It says the Dow is down almost 1,300 points. Every single one was required. It's, it's still dropping. Because the other team didn't want to play. <laughs> and all our distinguished guests, CEOs, act, advocates, adv activists, thank you for joining us. And what a great day. Exactly four what weeks a, ago today, I signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. What a great day. The, the, the stock market's down 4%. The stock market is in free fall right now. I just signed the Inflation Reduction Act. Very, very awkward when Joe Biden is attempting to celebrate his economic bill, his big economic bill to save the economy, uh, while you <laughs> on the very same screen can watch the economy in free fall. And you say, well, Joe, I, I'm hearing your words, 
But with my own eyes, I'm seeing it isn't working. The numbers don't lie. Joe Biden does lie. The White House does lie. But the numbers don't lie. The, the bill is not going to, to do anything about inflation. If it does anything, it's going to make inflation worse. It, that's not just a Republican talking point. Even Bernie Sanders said that at the time that the bill was being debated. It's not going to do anything about that. It's not helping the economy. The, the economy continues to collapse. And so what can the, the White House do? All the White House can do is lie. And they're not just lying about the economy or inflation or jobs or whatever. They're, they're lying about virtually every issue. Look at the southern border, a pretty much completely unrelated issue, but another major crisis under Joe Biden. We've got the largest number of foreign people, for illegal foreign nationals coming across that border, over 2 million this year it's going to be. And so what does Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, do? She says, nope, no, no, that's, that's not happening. Compare that to the Trump administration, which largely just tried to build a wall, an ineffective wall, uh, along the border and couldn't even finish that in four years. Uh, we're certainly uh, doing a lot more to secure the border and could be doing even more if Republicans would stop their obstruction. So the story now from the White House is the, the White House wants to stop illegal immigration. It's just the Republicans won't let them. The Republic, you'll recall the Republicans come into office led by Trump in 2016 on a platform that was in many ways centered around building the wall and stopping illegal immigration. The Republicans succeeded at doing that for the first months of the Trump presidency. And you saw illegal immigration numbers plummet. But then the Democrats kept throwing all of these impediments, screamed their heads off to stop him from building the wall. And then the numbers started to go back up because they obstructed Trump the whole time. And then Biden comes in, he, he gets rid of what little law enforcement Trump had instituted at the border. And then the numbers, what do you expect? The numbers go straight back up. And now that's a big problem and it's deeply unpopular. So what's the White House doing? They're not changing the policy at all. They're, they're just lying about it. And they, they think that we're going to buy it. It actually, this demonstrates that same principle at the top of the show. It's the same kind of language they used with the border back when, when Trump tried to build the wall. They said, walls don't work, and they're extremely cruel and inhumane. They said, well, which is it? If the, wall, if the wall doesn't work, then it's not cruel and inhumane. It's not stopping anybody from doing anything. If the wall is extremely cruel and inhumane, and it's preventing these poor people from crossing into our country, then obviously the walls work. Which is it? Well, they say it's, it's either one, either of these two contradictory ideas, according to the political convenience of Democrats. So that's all they can do. They can just lie. And if the lies don't work, and I don't think people are really going to be convinced by this, people know that we've got illegal aliens pouring into the country. You now have people in blue cities admitting this because the red state governors in Arizona and Texas are busing a very small percentage of the illegal aliens crossing into the country, busing them to DC and New York and Chicago and all the blue state mayors who, and blue city mayors who had previously said, oh, we're sanctuary cities. Please welcome, welcome those people. Diversity is our strength. No human is illegal. Now, the minute that the illegal aliens actually show up, they're saying, this is horrible. It's a strain on our resources. Stop doing it. Please stop. So people know that's happening. No matter what the White House is saying. People know that the economy is collapsing. They know it because they've got retirement plans. They know it because they got their money in the stock market. Even if they don't have 
a retirement plan or money in the stock market. They know it because they have to fill up their cars. They know it because they have to go to the grocery store and they see that the prices are at 40 year highs. Okay. So when the lies don't work, then the libs are left with only one option. And it's, it's at one option that you are seeing them exercise more and more vociferously in recent weeks. And that option is to threaten people. And you're seeing that now from Tim Ryan. He's running for Senate in Ohio. He's saying, not only do we need to stop these Republicans from getting elected, not only do we need to expose their lies, not only even do we need to investigate the Republicans, he's saying that Democrats need to kill MAGA voters. They need to kill the MAGA movement. Tim Ryan, Democrat, not just a Democrat candidate for a Senate, but the Democrat nominee, is calling to kill us. How do we fix all of these broken systems? Some of those answers will come from Republicans, not, not the extremists that we're dealing with every single day. We've got to kill and confront that movement. Um, but, the, you know, working with normal mainstream Republicans, I think that's going to be really, really important because we have to reform uh, these systems. We need to kill the, and now notice what he says. He says, not the mainstream Republicans. I'm just talking about the MAGA Republicans. But this is a, a ridiculous rhetorical trick because statistically all Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Donald Trump got elected president at least, at least once. <laughs> he was the Republican nominee for president twice and very likely will be again. He is leading in the polls by a huge margin right now. The never Trump movement is pretty much just like five guys who meet for lunch at Bill Crystal's house at this point. So the, the, not only the mainstream Republicans, but pretty much every Republican is a MAGA Republican. And what the Democrats are saying is we want to not only oppose the, the Republicans, namely half the country, we want to do violence to them. They're terrorists. They're like Al-Qaeda. They're an extreme existential threat to our sacred democracy. We want to kill them. We want to, we want to kill you. That's what, that's what they're telling us. And they're trying to give themselves a little out by pretending there's some other giant group of anti-Trump Republicans, but that, that doesn't exist. That's completely fake. What they're saying is we want to kill you half the country. And, and it's not just Tim Ryan. It's all these people who are comparing us to terrorists and calling us fascists and saying that our very existence poses a threat to the country. It's, it's Joe Biden. It's Hillary Clinton. It's Kamala Harris. It's the people on CNN. It's Dino Badaya. It's all these other people. Now, speaking of violence, there's a video that's gone viral right now. And it's a video from some school where ki- some kids are beating up another kid. And the kid there's one kid in particular who's beating up one other kid in particular. And then there's a group of kids standing around, one of whom is filming. And in the video, the kid, who, the, the kid beating up the other kid is black. The kid getting beaten up is white. And the kids all standing around and filming all seem to be black as well. It's a horrible, horrible video, but it is basically everywhere on the internet right now. So you see the kid, kid th- throws the poor little kid's head into a wall. The kid's now grabbing his neck. He walks up, kicks him in the face. I mean, just savage, absolute animal kind of behavior. And it's, you know, the, the, kid, the, kid, who's, the kid who's doing the beating is, is bad enough, savage enough. In a way, the kid who's filming it is even worse 
Maybe the kid who's doing the beating is just like some rabid dog who can't control his own emotions. But the kid who's doing the filming is, is clearly much more methodical about it, has thought this thing out. And it's just awful. Your heart breaks for this poor little kid who's, who's been beaten up. Uh, I hope the kid is okay. Obviously, we can all pray for the poor little kid who was beaten up. And we can hope that justice is done for the savages who are, who are committing the crime. The reason I bring it up, though, the reason I bring up specifically the racial terms is we all know for a fact that if, if the races were reversed, not only would this be spoken of on all of the news networks, this wouldn't just be going viral on the internet. This would be on every news network. The, the president would speak about it. There would be a national month of mourning. There would be riots in the streets. There, there, would, there might be a presidential address. There might be a presidential address about how we need to have a national conversation about race. And uh, right, we all know that that would happen. And, and the reason I bring this up again is not to point out the hypocrisy and say, you know, if the roles were reversed, right, that, that's, that's actually not my point here. Because could you imagine if the roles were reversed is how conservatism is going to die? Because it's just, of course, it's hypocritical. The left knows it. They don't care. That's, yes, uh-huh. You're not, you're not telling them anything they don't already know. The reason I mention it, the reason I even show that awful clip is because, because of the strength of narrative. Because if, if the roles were reversed, it's not just the libs who would cynically exploit it in the way that they're ignoring this clip you would feel it too. You conservative people, you conservative people all throughout the country, sea to shining sea in every city, in every state of every race, of every demographic group, you would feel it a little bit too. Such is the power of narrative. This is how there were plenty of people who were kind of center right. Friends I know who would call themselves conservatives, who started to get sucked into the George Floyd stuff who posted the BLM black square, who fall into this because it is the narrative that is drilled into us everywhere from every cultural institution and from the government and in our education system and in the media and just everywhere. And so we might know, yes, statistically, this isn't real. Statistically, racist cops chasing down black men, it just doesn't exist. It's, lock that one away with Bigfoot. It's totally not real. We know, we, we, we know that on an intellectual level, but such is the power of narrative. Even the centrists, even the center-right, even some conservatives would feel that instinctively. Mentioning BLM, mentioning George Floyd and racial politics, there was a great, really incisive commentary from Sophie Corcoran, who's British. She's on GBTV, a conservative channel in Great Britain. She said, quote, Dear Americans who mock us for mourning our beloved queen, she dedicated her entire life to her duty and our country even just two days before her death. You mourned a man who pointed a gun at a pregnant woman by burning cities to the ground. We are not the same. <laughs> Harsh, but fair. What she's saying is, you're all laughing at us because... You think it is ridiculous that we hold the queen sacred. You hold criminals as sacred. You, you think it's ridiculous that we have all this pomp and circumstance for her royal majesty, the queen. You had pomp and circumstance. You had, you had four funerals, that one of which was attended by the soon-to-be president, Joe Biden. 
for a criminal who resisted arrest and died of some combination of police force, possibly of police force, and a fentanyl overdose because he had, he had a toxic level of drugs in his system. Which is more ridiculous? You, you think that we've got this kind of crazy, sacred thing that we venerate and we pay respect to. Well, you've got them to, you're just not aware of it and yours are much more ridiculous. This is actually why I'm, I'm uh, cautiously hopeful about King Charles III. Charles has been an object of derision for many years by conservatives because he says all sorts of kooky, weird environmentalist stuff. And he pals around with Klaus Schwab and he talks about the Great Reset. And there, there are plenty of red flags and warning signs. I'm not denying that. But there was a video that went around that, that was making the rounds after Queen Elizabeth died. And it made me wonder, is Charles a little bit more conservative than we all think. It's Charles describing tradition. The teachings of the traditionalists should not, in any sense, be taken to mean that they seek, as it were, to repeat the past, or indeed simply to draw a distinction between the present and the past. Theirs is not a nostalgia for the past, but a yearning for the sacred. And if they defend the past, it is because... In the pre-modern world, all civilizations were marked by the presence of the sacred. As I understand it, uh, in referring to tradition, they refer to a metaphysical reality and to underlying principles that are timeless, as true now as they have ever been and will be. Absolutely brilliant and 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 evidence that this guy, this kind of weird lib sounding guy who prattles on about global warming and pals around the World Economic Forum, this guy gets conservatism better than probably 70% of American conservatives or more. Because he's saying, and certainly better than all the libs do, he's saying traditionalism, you know, conservatism is not about a nostalgia for the past. Nostalgia is history after a few drinks, okay? When, when we make an idol out of the past, we're, we're really being saccharine and sentimental. The past was not nearly as great as we all like to imagine. We sometimes think that our childhood was the greatest period in all of human history. We think that because we were little kids and we didn't have any responsibilities and we had the comfort and, of, of our parents. And, and So, no, it's not just about this nostalgic yearning for the past. It, it is a longing for the sacred it's a longing not for dusty old things. It's a longing for things that are timeless, that are ageless ideals. The, tr- the tradition is not some dusty old thing. It's, it, it's the most vibrant thing in the world because it's that which has endured through so many years and decades and centuries and millennia even into the present. That, it's those truths and institutions that the libs are attacking and trying to destroy. It's those sacred things that they are desecrating. And, and, and that is what keeps conservatives up at night. And when you have those sorts of worries, you probably want to talk about it with people. That's why you got to check out Pure Talk, okay? We've got the Pure Talk voice mailbag coming up on Friday. It's very simple. The way that you submit the question, you record a question on your phone, just on the audio app on your phone or maybe on your computer, however you record audio. Keep it to 60 seconds or less, if you don't mind, so I can actually feature it on the show. Then you go to the Michael Knowles Show page over on the Daily Wire. You click at the page, you click on the submit a mailbag question, and you just attach the file to the email. Send it in, and then we'll get to hear from you on Friday, and it will be a great deal of fun. 
The libs want to attack the sacred. That's what it's all about. Because for the libs, at least when they begin their revolution, nothing is sacred. All the holy taboos that we have, they desecrate. You think one of the most famous pieces of lib art in recent decades was something called Piss Christ. And it was a a photograph funded by the National Endowment for the Arts, I believe, funded with your taxpayer dollars, a photograph of a crucifix in a jar of piss. And he called it Piss Christ. Obviously, completely worthless as a matter of art. But it was, it was part of a political movement. And the political movement is to take everything that we hold sacred and destroy it. The family, we, we hold fa- this, the family sacred, they're going to destroy that. The Bible, we hold the Bible to be sacred. Yeah, that's going to be banned from public schools. You can't teach that. You can teach Mein Kampf, you can teach genderqueer, you can have gay porn in middle schools. No Bible, you can't teach that. Because you hold that sacred and the libs want to destroy that. Whatever you, you're, you're, very nation, your very country. You, you, you hold your country to some degree sacred. Oh, yeah, we're going to get rid of those borders. Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to ship your industry overseas. We're going to import millions of foreigners a year. That's gone. Absolutely not. Yes, and especially in the question of sex, which is so important to human nature, anything you hold sacred about sex, the idea of monogamy, the idea of chastity, the idea of, I don't know, not having... <laughs> Like weird deviants in the street marching around in, in leather <laughs> girdles and things, you know, up and down Main Street while your kids watch. The, the, the idea of not having uh, transvestites jiggle around for little kids at the library. What, just any, in any way that sex might be held to be something that we take care of, that we hold sacred. No, that has to be destroyed. And it has to be destroyed for younger and younger audiences, not just for adults, but for teenagers, not just for teenagers, for for little, little kids. They have to do that. And then what's the consequence of that? The consequence is not that nothing is held sacred. The consequence is that they hold new things sacred, destructive things. We, We once held innocence to be sacred. Now we hold criminality to be sacred. We've got those poor criminals, those poor beleaguered criminals. We need to let them out of prison. John Fetterman, who is, who is running for Senate in Pennsylvania. He says if he had a magic wand, the first thing he would do would be to let murderers out of prison. This actually brings us to Dr. Oz, because I hate this Senate race in Pennsylvania. I hate it. The Democrat is a radical socialist with actual brain damage. I don't, I don't say that to be funny. The guy had a stroke, and he, he refuses to go into rehab for it because he's on the campaign trail. He wants to win, and he can't string a sentence together, and he's obviously in terrible, terrible health. And he's, uh, when he was in relatively better health, he was a radical socialist. He, he's never held an honest job in his life. He's just lived off his parents' allowance, which was up, up to over $50,000 at one point a year. So terrible, terrible candidate. And then the Republican candidate is Dr. Oz. The Republican candidate is pretty much a Democrat, who I'm not even convinced lives in Pennsylvania. He was just a a glib TV host sort of quack. And the most prominent political statements he's made in recent years were attacking pro-lifers and now actively campaigning for enshrining gay marriage, so-called, the radical redefinition of marriage, into law. Dr. Oz just tweeted out, quote, I'm proud to join this effort with fellow Republicans. I believe that same-sex couples should have the freedom to get married as straight couples. The same freedom. Okay, first of all, homosexuals or people with any kind of 
unusual sexual desire, have always had the freedom and the right to get married. Always, for all of human history. Because marriage intrinsically involves sexual difference. Two men cannot get married to one another because that isn't what marriage is. And it never can be what marriage is. If marriage is to have any meaning at all, it must involve sexual difference. Or else there is no way of distinguishing marriage from any other social bond. Then it just becomes a kind of financial partnership. It's no different than starting a small business. (laughs) Then it becomes sort of like an LLC, okay? There is... If marriage is not the union of a man and a woman in perpetuity for the sake of the generation and education of children, then I just, I just don't know what marriage is. Then there's no way really of defining it. My issue here is not that Dr. Oz, who's in a kind of purple state, who's obviously a squish, it's not even that he's, he's squishing on an issue. It's not even that he's squishing on an issue as important, as fundamental as marriage, which is the fundamental building block of society. It's that he, he's not even passively supporting it. He's not even just keeping his mouth shut. He is actively campaigning to enshrine into, into law, federal law, one of the most radical decisions, if not the single most radical decision, ever handed down by the Supreme Court. He's actively doing that. I I have no evidence that Dr. Oz is even vaguely, slightly, in any way a conservative on any issue. All I know about him is that he makes fun of pro-lifers and attacks people for passing pro-life laws. And that he holds holds a, a view of marriage that is so radical. It would be too radical for Barack Obama in 2010. It would be too radical for Hillary Clinton around the same time. That's all I know about him. And so I think, what's the point of electing him? Now, I know the point. I know the point. I I suggested this yesterday and everyone yelled at me, but I think it's because they didn't read what I said closely enough. I said, if I were in Pennsylvania, I would strongly consider staying home when it comes to Dr. Oz. Sure, vote vote for the other Republicans, but when it comes to Dr. Oz, I, I would strongly consider not voting for him. I didn't say I wouldn't vote for him. I'm saying I would strongly consider it. Because this guy is such a loser. He's such a Democrat loser. It's pathetic. It's so, and the guy, he's running a terrible campaign. He's wrong on some of the most important issues. He just is terrible. He's just an awful candidate. And I keep trying to get myself to say, hey, well, here's the bright side. Here's one thing. He's got nothing. The guy's a complete buffoon, loser. But what's the alternative? The alternative is John Fetterman. Now, If the Republicans were going to hold the Senate, let's say we had been in control and we were going to hold the Senate, or we had a a good electoral map and it looked like we were going to win the Senate with a healthy margin, I would say, okay, lose the Senate seat in Pennsylvania. That's what I would say. I would say, if we were going to to have 53, 47 Republicans, we had plenty of safe seats, and it was the difference between 53-47 and 52-48 in the Senate, I'd say, lose the Senate seat in Pennsylvania. The guy, one, look, conservatives are either social conservatives or they're not conservatives at all. I was at the National Conservatism Conference yesterday. Father Benedict Keeley made that very important point. And even in the purple states, at least keep your mouth shut on these issues. At least kind of go soft. Don't, Don't actively campaign in this radical way. Okay, fine. But I know, I know. Look, Pennsylvania could be could be the deciding factor. 
and John Fetterman is particularly radical. And Pennsylvania could be the deciding factor. So I guess, I guess, I guess people should vote for Dr. Oz. I guess. He's just such a loser. It's not even, you know, I, I just called him a buffoon. It's not even that he's a buffoon. It's, it's worse than that. He's probably too intelligent to be a buffoon. He's just a big lib. He's just a big squish lib running a terrible campaign as a radical leftist Democrat circa 2014. And it's just so pathetic. And I think, oh, that's what the conservatives are? Whatever, give it to the Democrats. If you're you're telling me I can get a Democrat who is 700% more radical than they were seven years ago, or 650% more radical than they were seven years ago, okay, give me the Democrat. I don't care. I want a choice, not an echo. And Dr. Oz is nothing but an echo. All of that said, all of that said, Pennsylvania could be the deciding factor between Republicans having the Senate or Democrats having the Senate. And the Republicans having the Senate could be the deciding factor in stopping Joe Biden's Supreme Court nominees. We've got some older conservative justices on the court. And so as a matter of just sheer resignation, I guess if, I, if look, you're, for those listening in Pennsylvania, you got to vote how you want to vote. I guess if I were in Pennsylvania, I would, I guess I would lean toward voting for Dr. Oz. But he's just such a loser. I don't expect him to win. Maybe he'll win. Maybe he'll pull it out because Fetterman is such a terrible candidate and because Joe Biden is so deeply unpopular. And these things are going so horribly. But I, you know what I would like, though? Here's what I would ask. If I were a voter in Pennsylvania and I were talking to Dr. Oz, I would say, hey, Dr. Oz, can you give me any even slight hint of a suggestion that, that you even would be the swing vote to the Republicans? I'm not even convinced you'd be that. I'm not even convinced if it really came down to it, you had to be the deciding vote, that you wouldn't just squish and vote with the Dems on the important issues, on holding the Supreme Court nominees, on any issue. So can you just give me, just don't make me look like such an an idiot voting for you. Could you just give me anything, man? I don't know that he can. It's pathetic. It's so pathetic. He's He's my least favorite Republican running in this. It's so sad. So there weren't great options. Generally, I thought I liked Kathy Barnett, but there weren't generally. It wasn't one of these huge fields where you could, but it's like, why do you have to, why do you have to run as an activist leftist Democrat? Good grief. It all depends on, it all depends on the map. Luckily, we're getting some good news out of Georgia that the Republicans might, might be able to avoid grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory as they so often do. Speaking of victory, if you've been uh, thinking to yourself, hey, you know, it's, 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 it's well, actually, before I get to Candace Owens, it, it, thinking of victory, uh, I don't know if you've been following the fantasy football draft at the Daily Wire. I happen to be the football king. My team is called Team Nostradamus, and I am really pleased to say that my predictive powers, my powers of, of near prophecy, they uh, stretch not only from into the realm of politics. They also go into the realm of sports. I am winning. I am beating all the Crane and Company guys. I'm beating Matt. I'm beating Drew. I'm beating Ben. I'm beating Bickley. I'm beating everybody, okay? I am a football maven. And I think you, you could probably tell that from my build, you know? And, and uh, you could probably tell that from my just sheer sort of 
uh, Adonis-like athleticism. But uh, follow, you know, f- follow the fantasy football. I've never watched a complete NFL game, but I, I am going to win that golden tumbler. Also, if you've, been, if you've been wondering, hey, where's Candace Owens? Well, I got great news for you. Candace Owens is back from maternity leave in a brand new Daily Wire Plus show. Candace Owens. She is fearlessly exploring topics that the media won't touch and exposing the corruption and hypocrisy in news and politics. And the best part is it's five days a week, Monday through Friday. You will not want to miss her explosive first episode, which premiered this week on Daily Wire Plus. Trust me when I say this is huge. Watch Candace Owens' new show now on Daily Wire Plus or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good news out of Georgia. After all this, just I'm just going to bang my head against a wall looking at Dr. Oz and the ridiculous race in Pennsylvania. How do you lose to Fetterman? I don't know. It's not looking great, though. There's some good news, though, in Georgia. Herschel Walker is doing very, very well. He's gaining speed in the Georgia Senate race uh, over Raphael Warnock, who is a much stronger candidate, by the way. The Democrat, he, he also is a socialist. He's a radical uh, and a uh, he, he is much better on the campaign trail, obviously, than John Fetterman is. Uh, but Herschel Walker is gaining a ton of ground here. According to a poll conducted by Insider Advantage and Fox 5, uh, Warnock has lost four points since July. Uh, Herschel has picked up two points. So that means that Herschel is now leading Warnock 47-44. Now, do I love those numbers? No. 47-44 means it's still anybody's race, but the momentum is clearly with Herschel Walker, and the momentum is not with Raphael Warnock, even though Warnock is a much better candidate than, than John Fetterman, for instance, in Pennsylvania. How's Herschel Walker doing it? Well, I think one of the ways he's doing it is he's not sucking up to the libs on every issue. Dr. Oz, this show, I'm going to retitle this show, Dr. Oz, stop blowing it. <laughs> Why? 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 You know what Herschel Walker is doing? He's being normal. He's just being a normal guy. One of the knocks against Herschel Walker's candidacy was, Herschel Walker, he doesn't know a lot about politics. He's not some egghead, you know, sort of policy wonk. He is just a very famous athlete. Yeah, he's a very famous athlete who is, seems pretty solid on the issues. I don't know. I haven't sat down with Herschel Walker at length, but he seems like he's pretty solid, good old conservative candidate, and he's normal. Okay, and this is something that the Republicans are going to have to think about when when we look ahead to 2024. Because the people who are paying attention right now to the 2024 horse race are the people who are listening to this show, are the people who are reading up on the political reports, are the people who know exactly what's going on in the economy and criminal justice and, and immigration. And that is unusual. Okay, I'm not saying that to flatter you, the people who are listening to this show. You are very high information voters. I'm, and I'm not saying it in a way to say I'm just giving you all this truth, though obviously I am. I, I, I just mean, if you pay attention really at all to politics, especially in off years, you just are a high information voter. Okay, and a lot of people, maybe most people, are not. They're doing other things. And so when we're looking for candidates... It's, it's really good to get candidates who are normal, <laughs> okay? This is one advantage that Donald Trump has. Is he normal in the sense that he's 
just like your average Joe on the street? No, of course not. In many ways, Donald Trump is extremely unusual. He was born very, very wealthy. He's been a major international celebrity for 40 years. He flies around on a gigantic airplane and sleeps with supermodels. And he, you know, no, it's, but the way he approaches politics is pretty normal. Okay. And he talks to people in a normal way. And that I think is what we've got to focus on. With, sometimes you get political candidates like Dr. Oz, who are just spending all their time sucking up to beltway Democrat people who really don't represent America. There's a huge chasm between the liberal elite right now and ordinary Americans. And the Democrats know that. That's why the Democrats are lying and threatening ordinary Americans and calling us an existential threat to the country. So it's, if you have to choose, you're, you're running for office, would you choose to side with the extremely out of touch and unpopular liberal elite? Or would you choose to side with ordinary people? That's, that's a no-brainer, I guess, unless you're Dr. Oz. So that's one way that the Republican candidates stop being normal. You get someone like Asa Hutchinson is the governor of, of Arkansas, and he refuses to sign a bill that will uh, prevent uh, quacks from transing little kids. Not even stopping transgender surgery generally, just transing the little kids. He goes, no, no, that's far, that's far too far. That's right, because he, he is just beholden to liberal elite consensus, which is completely detached from ordinary people. That's one way they do it. And then the other way they do it, that conservatives get really, really weird, is they get super ideological and they say, well, actually, you know, uh, here's my five bullet point plan for how I'm going to just completely remake all of the public policy in America to have my ideal, I don't know, capitalist utopia or this or that or this. And it's, it's just like really strange. And when they get extremely beholden to ideological platitudes, that turns people off too. This is why it was my favorite line from Trump in 2016. When they, and it was the one that irritated all of the egghead, four-eyes conservatives. Is when he, Trump was asked, hey, what, what do you want to do as president? What's your number one priority? He says, I want people to have good communities. You know, I want people to have good neighborhoods, be safe, you know, do well, have the economy, be strong. And I want them to have like a good life, you know. And then all the ideological eggheads, he said, that's actually not the role of the president to give people a good life. No, that's not, that's a violation of federalism and blah, 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 blah. And like, no, man, are we, that's politics 101. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm running to make your life better. <laughs> What's my ideology? Uh, I want, I want more good and less bad. How about that? Yeah, that's how normal people think. It's not how the Beltway thinks. That's how normal people think. Do that. And frankly, in many ways, I think that's how Herschel Walker is campaigning. Speaking of weird moves from senators and Senate candidates, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham has just introduced a bill at the federal level, obviously, to ban abortions nationwide after 15 weeks. The bill is called the Protecting Pain-Capable Unborn Children from Late-Term Abortions Act, and he announced it during a press conference. Okay. In principle, I like this. I don't love this because I don't want to ban abortions after 15 weeks. I just want to ban abortion because a person's a person no matter how small and we shouldn't be able to kill any babies. So, but in principle, I guess I like it. I'd, I'd rather it be harder to, I'd rather it be harder to get abortions than easier. And so if this bill makes it harder, okay, that's fine. But practically speaking, I don't get it at all. There is a 0% chance that this bill will go into effect. The Democrats have the House, the Democrats have the Senate, and the Democrats have the presidency. There is a 0% chance this bill goes into effect. Furthermore, the Supreme Court says this abortion is not a federal issue. It's going to be a state's issue. Now, you you might believe it could be a federal issue. I think there's a strong argument that it could be a federal issue. But 
No branch of government currently will even entertain this. So all this could possibly do is bring the issue, bring the abortion issue to the forefront in the midterm elections. I don't know that there's any reason to do that. The, the abortion issue motivates Democrats to get out to the polls. It may even motivate Republicans more, but still, why would you take that risk when you've got great issues like the economy, when you've got great issues like immigration, when you've got great issues like foreign policy, when you've got, when Biden is, I say they're great issues because Biden is failing on all of those issues. Why wouldn't you make that issue? Why would you get to bring up this really controversial matter that though extremely important and and a, a central issue, cannot possibly go into effect? Why wouldn't you wait until after the midterms when, when Republicans win back the House and very possibly win back the Senate, though it's close? Why wouldn't you wait until then to bring this up when we have at least a chance of kind of getting at some headway? Why? And I, I can't, I'm scratching my head on this. All this can possibly do is make it harder for Republicans to win the Senate. Why? And then it hit me. I have a theory. I'm not totally sold on this theory. It's just something that popped into my head. I'm working it out in real time. I would love to hear your thoughts. Is Lindsey Graham introducing this bill? He's obviously not introducing it because he thinks it's going to pass. It can't possibly pass. And, he, and he's a relatively intelligent man. I don't, I don't think that he is under any illusions about that. Is he introducing this bill because he doesn't want Republicans to win the Senate? Hear me out. Why would Lindsey Graham, why would uh, the uh, sort of establishmentarian Republicans, why would they want to win the Senate right now? Well, okay, you can stop some of Joe Biden's agenda, though some of it, I'm not sure you can even stop all that much. Maybe you can stop some of the judges, that would be good. But what's the downside? The Republicans almost certainly are going to win the House. If Republicans don't win the House, we don't have a serious electoral system. It's all fraud. So let's say Republicans win the House. There's going to be huge pressure for the Republicans to impeach Joe Biden because the Democrats now just use the tool of impeachment as a political cudgel. There's, there's really no legal basis anymore. They impeach Trump twice over, over complete nonsense. So there's going to be a huge amount of pressure to retaliate and impeach Joe Biden. I suspect the House will do that. Then it's going to be up to the Senate to convict. Remember, Donald Trump was impeached twice, but he was never convicted because the Republican Senate never convicted him. If Republicans control both, ha- both houses, there will be a huge amount of political pressure not only to impeach, but to convict. And I think most Republicans do not want to convict Joe Biden on the, for a good reason, because they don't want impeachment to just, just become this, this uh, partisan tool where you just automatically impeach whoever the opposite, the other guy is, you know, if, if the other party is in power. Because that would effectively turn the United States into a parliamentary system rather than the the current kind of Republican federal structure that we have. That'd be one reason. And then the the bad reason is just cowardice. They just don't, they don't actually want that fight because Republicans, Republican politicians are very often squishes and, and really their role in the American political regime is as the junior partner of the ruling class. So their job really is to lose and to lose with dignity, and to, but to not really get anything done. That's why on pretty much every single issue, the country has moved radically to the left over the last 50 years. Abortion is one issue where we've made some headway going back, but even then, not a ton. Even with the Dobbs decision, you're still going to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of babies each year killed through abortion. So the, 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 all of the momentum has been toward 
the left, and some Republicans are perfectly fine with that. Maybe they're trying to throw it. I don't, I'm not saying that's my view. I don't want to engage in conspiracy theories. But it's, it's the simplest, most convincing explanation that I can see. Going a little bit woke. They're going a little bit woke. They're not really opposing the woke. Today, you know, is Woke Wednesday. So on the member block, uh, the producers tell me that they, they have got a video that is going to be impossible for me to guess. On Woke Wednesday, I am presented with the, the woke videos that are going viral, and I have to either guess what they're talking about or try to make some sense of their argument. And you know, specifically now, white people are the cause of all the problems in the world. White people have, I don't know, white people are probably causing the crisis in Tibet, for all we know. They're just the cause of all the problems in the world. And my producers are betting that I cannot guess what the white people are to blame for now. Uh, the show is starting now, so if you don't want to miss it, head on over. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We will see you on the member block. 